Hey there, everybody. Just reminding you to check out our podcast, MCU and Me, where myself and guests from all over the universe uh, are covering the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are going through the films. We're going through the TV series, which, if you know, you know are becoming important, perhaps. So you might want to go back and check those out. Uh, We are just about ready to finish Phase 2 as of this episode, so you can uh, make sure to go find the links to that uh, all over our social media, at Clockshelves, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But check it out. It's MCU and me covering the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe, only from Clockshelves Entertainment. This is a Clockshelves Podcast Network production. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lost with Friends. Oh, my goodness, it has been over a year since I have said those words, and it feels so good to say them. It feels so good to talk about Lost again. Uh, Welcome back, everyone. As always, I am your host, Paul Casey. I am joined by two fantastic guests today, and I will let them reintroduce themselves. Go ahead, gentlemen. Hello, I'm Andy. Uh, I'm from England, and I'm very happy to be back, Paul. Yeah, uh, this is Liam. Back again. It's definitely been, been a little bit, but glad to be here. I had to have you two on uh, for this sort of first new thing. So just so everyone is aware, uh, I am going to attempt to have this be sort of a monthly thing now. It's not going to be weekly, uh, but I am going to try to do a monthly uh, Lost With Friends episodes now. And um, so... Obviously, we have done the entire series of Lost from Pilot all the way to the new man in charge, you know, the end, and and even the missing pieces were were thrown in there. And I don't want to say there was a a hole, you know, in in my podcasting game, but uh, I did sort of get out of the podcasting for a little bit, so I knew that one of the things that I wanted to come back with was something lost related and I've sort of had this idea for a little while. I think Liam, I think you were actually uh, part of the spark behind this many, many uh, years ago when we were just having one of our off mic conversations just about talking about the deleted scenes and, you know, t- just some other stuff like certain character dynamics and things. And so I thought that could be like a fun thing for us to do uh, monthly Uh, to sort of just, you know, have a little bit of Lost still in our lives. Now, as many, you know, longtime listeners know, uh, I got damn near everybody on that very final episode. Um, And then we also did the new man in charge with Kevin and Jake, who, if I'm correct, you know, one of the main reasons that I had those two was because they featured uh, the most. They were the, the two most recurring guests on the show. 
And so when I was putting together, you know, sort of who I would want for this, this sort of new, you know, I don't want to say relaunch, but, you know, new uh, Lost with Friends adventure. And, and we're going to be talking about the season one deleted scenes today. But uh, Andy and Liam were the first two names that came to mind because arguably after Jake and Kevin, I'm like 99% sure Andy and Liam are, you know, a very close three and four in terms of, you know, most frequent guests uh, on the, the Lost with Friends series proper because there was a, a good portion of, I remember it specifically season three where I was trying to crank out, you know, two, three episodes a week and I couldn't get a lot of people. But between Jake and Kevin and Liam and Andy, these four were always up for doing something at, you know, all hours because of work schedules and, you know, Andy being across an entire ocean and, you know, time, time zone differences and everything. So, um, having J uh, yeah, Jake and Kevin on the new man in charge, I knew that whatever the next thing I did with lost with friends, it had to feature the other two sort of steady pieces of the, uh, the friends aspect of it, the, of, of the, the, the podcast that being, um, Liam and Andy. So I am so happy that you guys were able to uh, join me today that we, you know, made these, the, the schedules work. I, I know uh, it's a bit later than we originally intended to start recording today, but uh, thank you guys so much for being on here and, and for sticking with everything that I've been, that I did with Lost with Friends. I, I greatly appreciate it. And you two being on here to help me sort of, I guess, relaunch this. Yeah, of course, Paul. I'm, I'm extremely happy that you invited me. I mean, when was it that we did the finale episode? Because, I mean, I've... I don't get the chance to speak about Lost with, obviously I've got my brothers, but get a real good conversation about Lost going. So, I mean, it must be like, what, a year, 18 months, longer since we did the finale? Two years? I don't know. Yeah, it was, well, I'm pretty sure it went out on the anniversary. So that would have been May. So it had to have been probably a good month or two before then of 2020. Yeah, so, so yeah, well months. over a year at least. Yeah, yeah. Any any excuse to get me talking lost, I'm back. <laughs> well, it's actually, and I I can kind of confirm that because I I kind of said I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I have this idea, whatever. And Andy, you know, was like, well, I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, well, it's this sort of lost with friends thing. And he's just like, well, maybe. Yes, I'm in. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I pretend that you're trying to convince me, but really, it's just instantly. I'm like, yes, we're in. I just had a brilliant idea as well, Paul. Once you've done all of these. Why don't we just do like, why don't we just pick like random theories and we can just spend an entire episode. Mm -hmm. All you need to do is have a theory about loss and you can just pull it apart with whoever's on the ball. You know, then we could just go forever. You know, we don't want loss with friends to die. So we've got to keep it living. Oh, trust me, man. I have so many concepts for this. And especially with, like I said, I'm going to try to do it monthly, you know, and have, again, the same sort of rotating, uh, uh, you know, cast of characters that we had. So there isn't, you know, as much pressure to do, you know, week to week. Um, and, you know, if we got more than once a month, that'd be great as well. But really, I'm going to try to do it monthly. And, you know, obviously we have with, you know, just deleted scenes. Boom. That's six months right there. Once a month, six seasons. Boom. 
that's half a year right there. And then there's, I have so many more ideas for just sort of little things that we can, uh, that we can talk about. Um, and you know, Andy, we will definitely, I actually really like that idea as we know, Lostpedia is still there, has a lot of theories. We could talk about stuff, you know, we thought was going to happen, which we kind of did in the, in the podcast as it was. But there, I feel like the possibilities are endless with regards to what we could do now that the show itself is done. And this is all just sort of bonus. Let's have some more fun with Lost. You know, like, let's get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Just a reminder, everyone, Lost with Friends, which, of course, you are listening to right now, is now a monthly show, as we just sort of talked about, and you can get it early and uninterrupted over at Content Club, our newly rebranded Patreon page that's still available at patreon.com slash clockshelves. You can get... Uh, the monthly Lost with Friends, early and uninterrupted. You could get Paul and All, which of course features some of your favorite guests you've often heard on Lost with Friends. You can get MCU and Me, which again features some guests you've heard on this show, guests you've heard on Paul and All, and some brand new guests you may never have heard if you haven't listened to uh, any of our other shows. Uh, you can get all of that plus exclusive stuff that is only going to be behind that paywall, only available at Content Club uh, from Clockshelves Entertainment, available at patreon.com slash clockshelves. Check it out. Uh, maybe help us keep the mics and lights on. Throw some dough if you choose to do so. Content Club, available at patreon.com slash clockshelves. So, uh... Deleted Scenes, Season 1. Now, Liam, I believe we had this conversation, you know, probably a few times, but I know one time in particular we talked about sort of what is the canon with regards to deleted scenes because I think, not so much in these Season 1 uh, episodes, but, uh, you know, Season 1 scenes, but I know a little bit later there's there's maybe some things that are are sort of retconned if you will or basically you know determined from what happens on screen and it's determined oh well that deleted scene obviously can't be you know considered canon but i gotta say re-watching these i didn't really see any like all of these could easily fit in if somebody wanted to except for you know where there was a few like production errors that i and i sort of talk about one or two here but really, these can just sort of be put back in in almost like, you know, if they wanted to do like a super cut uh, on like a streaming platform or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, these these deleted scenes in particular, they don't really take away or even, to be honest, add all too much uh, to the story in general. So, you know, I mean, as long as as long as they don't contradict canon then you could safely, you know, safely assume their canon. But, you know, these work pretty, pretty well, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you're going to have to tell me what you, the hell you mean by canon, because you're confusing me. But just adding on that, no, I agree. I think, um, yeah, as you say, like, they didn't necessarily, some didn't add anything. I think some could have helped with some earlier sort of enlightenment on, on characters. But uh, yeah, I think this was just 
these are just the fallout of you know what happens when you're on you know regular tv and you're forced to have like you know exactly 42 minutes of television you know that if it was if this was a tv show that was made now on netflix or or amazon or hbo you know they would just these would just be in there because they they're not under those really strict time constraints at least that's what i felt i agree uh to sort of answer your question andy um, and I, it's funny because I had the feeling this was sort of going to come up, um, but not exactly in this way. So for anybody who is uh, confused, Canon, C-A-N-O-N, um, really just comes, it's, I don't know exactly where the word originates, it's probably Latin, um, but the most well-known version and sort of where almost everything else takes from it is the concept of the Bible, because, you know, m almost every version of Christianity, whether it's uh, Catholicism or Protestantism or, you know, um, there are uh, more Eastern uh, Christian, you know, sects of Christianity, things like that. There are certain books of the Bible that are these are, you know, purported to be the word of God, because realistically, like that's, that's what the Bible is supposed to be, right? Is the word of God. And so these are like, these are the ones like first we are, you know, they, they say we are sure. And there were many councils over the years of, of, you know, high leaders in at up to a certain point, the, the, you know, the Catholic church, because before Protestantism became a thing and they broke off and that's a whole other thing on a whole other show. Um, but anyway, it was sort of, we have determined these are the accurate books, uh, you know, that represent Christianity, you know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then there is what is called Deuterocanon, which is basically like it could be and it doesn't go against anything, but it's also not official, which is what if you go on like Lostpedia, that's what a lot of these uh, scenes are classified as, uh, as is Deuterocanon, meaning it doesn't quite contradict, but it's not official, official, official enough to be considered part of, you know, the mythology of the show. And, and there are actually, there's a whole thing, you know, with the Bible where there are, uh, because a lot of things at the time, whether they were written down or not, a lot of stuff was just sort of passed around and nobody necessarily said, well, this one, this book is going to come before this book or what have you until, you know, a group of, a group of people, men realistically at the time sat down and said, these are the ones in this order and so on and so forth. And that's canon. And you hear a lot of times where a lot of in Catholicism, where a lot of saints are canonized, which does not mean shot out of a canon, but that is what we think when we're children. Um, really it's, you know, that they are given the reverence of being a saint in, in Catholicism and, and what have you. And so really, uh, television and entertainment as a whole sort of took that concept of these things are official. These things are not. And Star Trek and Star Wars, and I guess Doctor Who as well, were sort of those things that that sort of kicked off the whole concept in television and, and film as to what is canon and what is not. So 
uh, as an example that I can give, um, whether it be Star Trek or Star or, or uh, Star Wars or, or Doctor Who, I know with Doctor Who, they do uh, radio plays and they will get some of the actors who actually played Doctor Who to do these radio plays. Well, is that official? Do I, as someone, you know, if I want to say I want to experience everything officially Doctor Who and I go and I watch the Matt Smith version of Doctor Who, do I then have to go and listen to the radio plays that feature Matt Smith as Doctor Who? Not necessarily, that would be Deuterocanon, but everything that happens on screen within the confines of the show is considered canon. And Star Trek was the same way. William Shatner, who was involved in Star Trek, has written Star Trek novels. Are they official? Not necessarily. Were they licensed by Paramount and CBS and Gene Roddenberry and his estate? Yes, but does that make them official? No. It's a whole thing people get super into with regards to whatever franchise. I've looked into it myself. Everybody knows I'm a big fan of Buffy. You know, what is and isn't considered canon. And so I hope that uh, answers the, the question of with regards to what is canon and sort of helps define what we mean when we say are these deleted scenes canon or not. Thank you very much, Paul. Incredibly <laughs> comprehensive. I think I got the message about a minute into that five-minute monologue, but I appreciate it because some <laughs> of our listeners may not, so now everybody knows. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I mean, again, that's, you know, I, I, I jokingly now when I go on rants like that, I refer to myself as Professor Paul. So <laughs> there you go. You got a little Professor oh, I Paul. Love I love it. I love that. I'll call you that, Professor Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so, yes. So as I was originally, the point I was trying to make was the, the, and, and, you know, you guys sort of said it as well. These scenes don't contradict anything per se, but again, because they're deleted scenes, you know, if you, it's sort of, we, we've taught and, and, uh, we talked about it in, when we did the podcast proper, you know, head cannon, you know, we would always say like, oh, Wayne would come up with these theories and oh, that's head cannon. So that, you know, to me is like, oh, in my head, I'm accepting this. Is it official? No, not necessarily, but could it, does it make sense in my mind? Yes. And I'm keeping it that way until proven otherwise. So. These deleted scenes, I know, Andy, you actually wrote down the names of of each one. I forgot to do that myself. I can introduce them all for you if you're going to do them in the order of the YouTube video that I hope you link here. Uh, so obviously, if any of the listeners haven't watched them, uh, they can do as they listen along. I am 99% sure that they are in that order. So uh, I will say the first several scenes are all deleted from the two-part pilot episode. So once we get to whatever comes after that, I will comment on that. But yes, Andy, please go ahead and introduce us to the first deleted scene. So the first deleted scene is named Smoking. Uh, Oh, this is going to be so weird. As Liam can attest, so obviously since finishing, just a quick sidebar, since finishing Lost with Friends, we have moved on. We're doing MCU and me, and we don't go into this much sort of detail with things. So this was weird for me to sort of write out some Lost notes again. So I'm going to be in my feels here a little bit, guys. Please forgive me in advance. 
We start out all the way back at the beginning. It's the crash from the pilot. Sawyer is smoking, which he definitely got away from in the earlier episodes. Charlie approaches him and even comments, should you be smoking near the plane? Sawyer, his OG cocky self, doesn't care about Charlie nor anyone else in the crash and just simply says, yup. Charlie, still trying to figure out his place, ends up asking for a cigarette himself, which he is given before walking away, and Sawyer then lights another cigarette. I, well, I, I can come in and say, uh, I think uh, as somebody who, you know, did, did used to smoke, um, Sawyer definitely makes smoking look cool, doesn't he? I think it must have been 2004, must have been that era when it was still just about cool to smoke. Um, definitely isn't anymore, but, you know, Sawyer definitely made it look cool. Charlie, perhaps not so much. Um, but the thing I really took from this, <laughs> which is the same as all of them, was just how dated everything looked. And it was when you, yeah. you shocked me earlier, Paul, when you said maybe in three years' time we could do something. You know, we'll get together for the for the 20-year anniversary of the pilot, which just, you know, sends shivers through me. I mean, I'm not that old, but it makes me feel, feel very old. Um, I think the only real comment, additional comment here was, you know, this doesn't it doesn't really add anything, like like kind of Liam said earlier. But I could see how, you know, really early on, if this was the pilot, it could have, you know, helped shape the characters of of Sawyer being a bad boy and Charlie, you know, being sort of like a, a rocker drug addict, just a tiny bit. But you know, we, we got that image pretty clearly anyway. So yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a dead scene. Yeah, this is kind of like a, a couple of these other scenes. It's just, uh, you know, first interactions of characters. Uh, and it was probably just cut, you know, like uh, most of these are probably just cut for time, honestly. And, you know, they picked whichever character interaction seemed more important because, you know, we don't really get a whole lot of Charlie and Sawyer interacting for you know a couple episodes into well they even interact all that much in season one but yeah not i don't remember them interacting like a lot um i mean i i agree that this is really just oh and and liam you said it you know a lot of these are are you know cut for time pretty much but a lot of this is just character moments, right? And it's it's funny looking back on it now because we would always say during the, the podcast, because the writers said, you know, it's a show about the characters. The ending of the show, you know, we've talked about it at length many, many times. Some people weren't happy because, you know, quote, all the questions weren't answered, unquote. But you know, the ending was for the characters and, you know, so it's funny now sort of to go back and see that the, you know, the things that were cut were character interactions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I said, for me, the only thing that I really, I mean, you know, Andy, I would, I would, I would argue smoking was never cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, really, the only thing that I would that I would take away from this uh, is, you know, just looking back and, like I said, in even in the notes, seeing Sawyer 
just as like that original you know baddie like the badass guy and you know whatever like just knowing now you know knowing everything we know it's 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 always funny to to go back and not just this show almost any show has this you know where you go back and you see and you're just like oh my gosh is that how those is that how that character started out i can't believe that you know i forgot how much i hated him in the beginning or you know what have you so that's really the only thing that i that i sort of take away from from this uh scene over this last year the entertainment space changed drastically with many tv series being binged many films seeing digital releases like never before and many in show business starting or growing their online presence Many actors, directors, producers, and more began to delve into the world of podcasting. Whether it was actors re-watching and giving behind-the-scenes details on their long-running uh, series, directors appearing to discuss their filmographies, or even comedians launching series to help grow their audience in a time when touring was non-existent, the podcasting landscape changed. And though we at Clockshelves Entertainment have tried to consistently bring you new content, we know we haven't always kept up our end of the bargain. But we would like to take a moment to thank you for sticking with us. And with so many options out there, we began to question how we exactly fit into the current space. We realized that although we may not have those involved in your favorite Marvel films or your favorite TV series or music genre, we have the unique fan perspective. We have something no one else has. Global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics in many entertaining scenarios. Yes, we have great times. We have the unique perspective of offering the different viewpoints from literally all around the globe. We'd like to thank you for sticking with us and we hope to continue bringing you more great times ahead. We've always said Clock Shelves Entertainment is a great way to pass the time. Great times ahead. Andy, what is the title of the next scene? Ah, of course. So the next one is aptly named Chicken or Lasagna. At night, Locke is sitting by himself on the beach. Hurley approaches him with the food from the airplane. If we remember, there is a scene where in the show proper where he was giving out the meals and he gives two of them to Claire. Uh, Hurley tries talking with Locke, but Locke stays silent. Hurley mentions it being a crazy day, how the food options are chicken or lasagna uncooked, and he jokes that they can't be worse than when they're heated. And then I wrote, airplane food humor is a staple that has disappeared from television. Uh, Hurley, still trying to get Locke to speak, mentions how both he and Locke have plaid shirts on. Still no response from Locke. And Hurley realizes this is going nowhere and walks away. I mean, that's, I don't really have anything. Again, it's, to me, this is just, it, knowing now, again, it's easy to look back on all this stuff. 
knowing now everything we know about Locke, this could have just helped lead to him and sort of that silent creepy factor a little bit earlier. But I, Andy, I believe you're the one that said it with regards to Sawyer and Charlie. They did a good enough job in the show proper that this doesn't, this wasn't obviously wasn't needed. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think I understand why they had a scene with Locke here because I always remember, you know, barely acknowledging him as a character before Walkabout that first time I watched Lost because it was, you just, you got to episode four and it was this guy who had the orange smile, you know? He basically wasn't in it at all. Um, but to be fair, he wasn't even in this scene, was he? He was just sat there in silence. Um, so again, I don't think it added much. You know, we had the scene with with Claire um, in the actual, you know, that, that did make the pilot where, where he was given out the double lasagna. So it's probably a bit... I can understand why it was cut. Um, but and maybe just a comment on this, you know, <laughs> when he was mentioning it couldn't be worse cold than it was hot. You know, I always used to love aeroplane food as a kid. Um, but I did recently fly long haul. Actually, it's your, your own home country, boys. You know, I flew long haul to Las Vegas last, you know, a few weeks ago. And, you know, the food was really terrible. <laughs> really terrible. I, I haven't, obviously, it was my, one of my first flights since COVID, but... Um, and I haven't really flown long haul in a long time, but yeah. One of the meals was just like core of a sandwich and it just had hummus in it. I was like, why are you even giving this to me? Um, I would have happily had a, a lasagna or, or chicken. Well, like I said, I, I feel, I mean, I, maybe, maybe it was a thing more here in the States because, I mean, not to, obviously not to say that you don't fly in Europe, but I know because a lot of things are closer together i guess there's a lot of train rides things like that but it feels like here in the states we sort of just fly just to go you know two states over or what have you and i don't know i feel like that used to be a a staple of television was just commenting on how terrible airplane food was (laughs) fair enough yeah um but but i will i will say you know just to to I kind of get what you're saying there. I mean, we do fly a lot here. You know, I can remember, I mean, obviously, it's, you should be careful, people, listeners. You know, it's bad for the environment. Try not to fly if you can. Um, but, you know, we, I think if some of the, the last few years before uh, before lockdown, you know, with just, you know, get, having a bit more money from my job, also traveling with work, you know, I was taking like 20 to 30 flights a year. Um, so I was flying a, a hell of a lot and yeah, there are a lot of, we, we have a very good, um, train network, you know, across Europe, uh, a lot better than what you have in the States, but I still think, you know, at the end of the day, if I can get from, you know, France to Spain, well, I suppose that's, that's not a good example because they're next to each other. If I can get from, <laughs> <laughs> from like France to Greece in like two and a half hours or instead of like two days on the train, you're going to want you. Yeah. Liam, any thoughts on this uh, Hurley lock scene here? No, it's it's really just like I said earlier, just, you know, character in early character interactions that ended up getting ended up getting scrapped. Uh, Andy, what is the title of the next scene? The title of the next scene. God, they they must have spent hours coming up with the names for these. The next one is called Kate and Saeed. <laughs> uh, during the day 
Kate is gathering water while Saeed is working on the transceiver. Saeed mentions to Kate how the rest of the passengers heard about the thing that she saw in the pilot. Saeed says he understands why Kate wouldn't want to talk about it. It's the same thing she and Jack talked about in the show proper, not wanting to scare anyone. However, Saeed mentions Charlie, referring to him as English friend, which is, of course, how I refer to uh, Andy, uh, the rest of the Cornforths, and our friend Andrew Haywood, my friends <laughs> over in England, my English friends. Uh, uh, that Charlie has been telling anyone that will listen. The rest of the survivors believe they're crazy for going into the jungle to try and find the signal. Kate mentions how if Charlie is telling about the pilot, then he must also be telling what the pilot said. They were off course and the rescue crew is looking in the wrong place. Saeed then comments to Kate how he doesn't like it here on this island, but Kate clearly dislikes it more. This scene, I will say, should have been left in because it answers a question that sort of comes up amongst the fans where they went out, they being Jack and Kate and Charlie, they, you know, had the the quote unquote inter- or introduction with the monster, you know, after it attacks the pilot, well, you know, while it attacks the pilot and so on and so forth, they see the destruction that it leaves. And then we see Jack and Kate say, oh, we're not going to tell anybody, you know, to tell them what we know, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't want to scare anyone, all this stuff. And then over the next few episodes, they just talk about that thing because all the rest of the survivors have seen at that point is just the trees going down and they've heard the noise, but they don't know sort of the destruction. And I believe a few characters even mention the pilot getting destroyed by the monster and so on and so forth. So this scene, I would actually argue should have been left in because it answers that question of how did everyone else find out? I think even in the pilot episode or even from, from the pilot to, to tabula rasa it even comes up where it's like how did everyone else find out and again like we've said it gives a little more into charlie because he clear yeah he clearly can't keep his mouth shut that that was that that was very insightful paul that had not crossed my mind at all um but yeah that was the one note i put down from this scene which was uh I just love the idea of Charlie running around telling everybody what they've seen. Like, like he has to tell everybody. You can't. You can't keep a secret. I did. I did find that amusing. Well, I was, I was on the impression that when they said not to tell everybody, that they were leaning more towards not telling everybody about, you know, being a thousand miles off course and looking in the wrong place. I kind of thought that was what they had agreed not to talk about, unless so about the pilot getting killed but i mean even even if that was the case like like kate mentions here you know if charlie's saying about the pilot then presumably he's also saying what the pilot said because if we're gonna go on the assumption here that charlie can't keep his mouth shut either way he's probably blabbed everything that happened but i would say people are probably more focused on holy crap there's like a killer monster in the jungle more so because that's imminent more so than holy crap they're looking for us in the wrong place not that that isn't important but the monster is 
you know, metaphorically right around the corner. But like I said, for me, I just think that, that if anything, this scene should have been left in for at least some clarification on how more people know things. Because, again, in the show, we see they, they're like, oh, we shouldn't tell anybody. And then suddenly, like even the fact that Saeed, you know, because there's I believe there's a moment where Saeed says something to Jack about the pilot or something. And Jack doesn't even question, hey, how do you know that? You know, and if we if we got this clarification of, oh, yeah, by the way, well, uh, we all know Charlie's out there telling everybody, you know, <laughs> now, isn't there some isn't there some type of scene where I don't I don't remember what it would be exactly, but they're all talking and it like it's like a group and Charlie and Jack are in that group and Charlie will mention this or says something about this and Jack kind of like gives him a look or rolls his eyes or something. Is that. Is that just before they're about to go before the polar bear bit at the end of the pilot? Jack isn't with the polar bear part. No, I know, but is he in that circle before they go? I can't remember, but yeah. Honestly, I can't remember either. I remember. I vaguely remember a scene like that. I guess we all need to start a rewatch, boys. Yeah. Uh, Andy, what is the, uh, of course, appropriately titled next clip? I mean, it's better named than the last one, but it's still not too complicated. The next one is called The Climb. Okay, so this is one of the first ones where, based off of it, I went, okay, this, just something that happened super early on, it, I get why they cut it. Now, obviously, if they had included it, they probably would have cleaned up a bit. But later on, as they are out on the trek to find the transceiver signal, Sawyer, Kate, Saeed, Boone, Shannon, and Charlie are climbing the side of a cliff. You can briefly hear the crew talking during the beginning of this scene. And again, had they included it in the show, they probably would have taken that out. But we do hear it here in this sort of rough form. Uh, I And I put, I'm fairly certain we see parts of this during almost a montage of them on this trek during the actual episode. If I remember correctly, just from, you know, sort of weird behind the scenes knowledge that I remember reading and hearing about and stuff. This wasn't actually a cliff at all. It was just a small hill they found on the side of a road and shot it in such a way that it actually looks like the side of a cliff. They all help each other to the top, with Shannon being one of the last. Uh, Of course, Charlie is still trying to flirt with her here, and begins humming his own tune, You All Everybody. Shannon gives him a strange look, and he asks if she's ever heard of Driveshaft. She comments that she hates them, then wonders why he asked. He tries brushing it off, and she uh, she asks if he has one of their songs stuck in his head, which he confirms, and she feels sorry for him. He tries playing it off, but he's clearly heard it about this. <laughs> I think this is, if they had kept this in, it's, this would have been like the first inclination that uh, Charlie and his band aren't as popular and successful as he's kind of acting. Because the way she says it, she says like, do you have their one song stuck in your head? Like, 
kind of like implying that that's like the only thing that they're they were known for, which is of course true. They were a one hit wonder, but we don't we don't kind of you know we kind of get that I guess reveal so to speak you know later on in the season when we find out that he's not actually really all that popular at all. That's actually yeah. true. Uh, oh, sorry, Andy, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, that, I suppose that is true. Um, but, I mean, the, the other side of this, I think you alluded to when you said they would have had to clean up some other bits pool, which was around, you know, if they'd kept this in, obviously they would have had to take out the the one from, from before this, because this would have been pilot part two, wouldn't it? But pilot part one would have been where he was humming it um, and Jack told him to to, to hurry up. Um, so they would have had to cut that one, although I do think this one was was much funnier. To be fair, so I would have quite liked to see this one stay in there. But the the first comment I have is, um, they were climbing without the without the hiking theme. You know, Hollywood and vines from Chikino. It, it didn't sit right with me. I found it tough to watch. <laughs> I need that theme in my life. Um, they should they should have got Chikino on on way more of these deleted scenes, in my opinion. Though he was on a few later on, which we will talk about. But um, you know, there was there was a lot of good panting. You know, from the climbers to make up for for no music. Well, we all know of uh, your early love for Shannon. So if she was panting, I'm sure you were all about it, Andy. Um... <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. There were some certain aspects to her, as you know, as a 12, 13 year old, which was how old I was when this first came out. You know, that that really attracted me towards towards Shannon, but you know. She, this this just reinforces, you know, my you know most people's hatred for Shannon, you know, because poor Charlie as well, you know, she was just she was just being nasty. She didn't need to be like that, but it's just in her nature. <laughs> I know, just any excuse I can I could have to bring up, because that was still, oh my goodness, that was one of my favorite conversations to ever have with you and uh, and Andrew there. Oh my goodness, still <laughs> yeah, makes we me don't laugh. Have- um, I, I believe that's one of the most popular episodes because everybody wanted to hear what uh, what was said. <laughs> I think that would that would have, that would have been season one, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. One of the one of the first ones I came on because I mean I actually joined Lost with Friends quite late. I think my first one was episode seventeen or eighteen. Um, but um, yeah, one, one of the first ones I did. I think to to comment on what you said. Well, actually, to sort of. I guess dovetail because it's on both. Um, Liam, I actually like your point about this, the fact that this would have uh, let us know early on about the fact that Charlie, you know, and, and drive shaft one hit wonder. Um, And to go along with what Andy said, yeah, there is that other scene where he's, you know, singing and Kate was just like, Oh yeah, my friend would love, you know, to know that you're here and whatever. Um, whether that's true or not, or just another Kate lie, completely different story. But, um, you know, just the, the, the concept where he's just like, you know, cause she's heard of them and she was just like, oh yeah, my friend is a big fan and whatever. And whereas here, like we said, you know, Shannon is just like, oh my God, I hate them and you know, whatever. And perhaps unintentionally mean to, uh, to Andy's point, but I wonder if, I, I do think this would have been better to, to serve that concept of introducing us early on that it was a one hit wonder because the way that it sort of does play out in the show is, 
oh, he's a band, you know, he's in a band and what have you. Because then even I think one of the next times that we really sort of hear anything about that is when Locke comments, oh, I thought the self-titled debut was better than your follow-up effort oil change, you know, and Locke seems to be a fan as well. And then it's not until we get sort of to the flashbacks where we realize, oh, it's he's a one-hit wonder. You know, Drive Shaft is a one-hit wonder sort of thing. Because with Kate recognizing him, at least in as much as her friend would know who that is, and Locke being like, oh, yeah, I'm a fan, and, you know, oh, your guitar or whatever, it does make him seem like him and the band, using them interchangeably, of course, but it does make him seem like he was bigger than he was. So I do feel that, by doing this, it could have even lent more to when Locke makes that comment earlier of like, oh, that's, you know, Locke has an interesting taste where he likes sort of this. He's more into this one hit wonder where he knows their the fact that they had a follow up album and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 But but I'd also counter that and say, well, I completely agree. You know, that would have enlightened us to, to the one hit wonder aspect of the band but i don't think we wanted to know that they were a one-hit wonder then you know i think i think the way it played out was probably better you know we i think they purposely want us to think he's he's a big band member i think that's that's kind of what we're supposed to think of charlie at least for like most of season one you know um i don't i I think thinking he was a less important should i say less less famous at the beginning maybe would have um you know damaged his character a little bit i i'm not gonna say i disagree but i just i think like i said i think it could have played more like i said because of the lock thing but it's also with regards to him like you know when he's there in in the the scenes with jack in the cave later on you know, he's just like, I'm important. You know, he's like, who are you? Why are you the leader? And, he, you know, I'm a, I'm a bloody rock god, you know. And it, I think it could have, I'm not saying would have per se, but I think it could have, if they had done it right, maybe played up a little bit more where he thinks he's impor- he's more important than he actually is. Like, he doesn't realize... Because, I mean, realistically, we actually see a little bit with the character later on when he goes to see his brother... You know, in Australia, and he's just like, oh, they won't do a reunion without you, you know, and he almost has to admit that his brother is, you know, the 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 main or, you know, at least a, a very important aspect of drive shaft. And he continues to try to hold on to that. And I'm, I'm wondering if that could have done a little bit more for his character where almost everyone else, including the audience, realizes, oh, this guy's just a one hit wonder but he still just keeps harping on, I'm important, I'm a rock star. Whereas everybody else, again, including the audience, is like, dude, you're a one-hit wonder. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 I get you. (sighs) What could have been? (laughs) Hey everyone, it's James, recurring guest on Paul and All. Just taking the time out here to let you know about a special bonus episode of Paul and All available right now on Content Club. In it, Paul and I discuss a failed pilot, How I Met Your Dad. We were prepared for How I Met Your Father. Yes, there are two different shows. This episode will never be released in the main feed, so go check it out right now at Content Club, only at
patreon.com forward slash clock shells. Thank you. Uh, I believe that is the last uh, scene from the pilot. So the next scene is from Tabula Rasa. I never know if I'm pronouncing that right because it's Latin, which is a dead language that no one can technically speak anyway. So what is the scene title from this uh, episode, Andy? For Vincent. Uh, Walt and Locke are walking uh, and Locke is explaining how, uh, how bluffing works in poker. Walt wants to be taught how to play. Uh, I think that's the next one. Oh, then I may have missed one. There was a really short. There was a really short one with um, just Walt and and then Jin came out of the bushes. Oh, I I missed that in my it was notes. Super, super short. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the crew saying noise and move to the left, and then Jin moves to the left, and that was about it. Did you get that one? <laughs> <laughs> I completely the, missed that. The, the one in my you notes. were describing, the one you were describing, was gonna is called "Finding the Tell," which came after. My apologies, everyone. I, can you tell I'm a bit rusty with regards to hosting Lost with Friends? Uh... <laughs> that, that honestly, that was it. I mean, we can continue. I think I don't think there was really much there other than, um, what looking for Vincent and and Jin running out. Speaking angrily in in Korean, and the crew yelling at him. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So, what was the finding the tell is the one that I started yes. to describe. Yes. Uh, Walt uh, explaining bluffing in poker, as I said, Walt and Locke. Uh, Walt wants to be taught how to play. Locke mentions to him that to be a good poker player, you need to be able to spot a liar, and the way you do that is to find their tell. As he's describing some common tells, we see various shots of the other survivors. Locke mentions how body language is common, from making a fist to curling toes. Some get defensive. Uh, quote, more experienced players use distractions, he comments. And he even says how some avoid contact at all. Uh, and then he says that uh, some can't be read at all. And as he's saying these, we see various shots from some of the A-team members doing things. Saeed is distracting the survivors with tasks. Sawyer is alone. And Kate is unreadable. And I thought that was sort of an interesting way to look at it because Locke, who early on, you know, a lot of people felt that he had, until until we started to... to to sort of realize that he was looking for as many answers as the rest of us, because then he, you know, of course he meets Ben who he feels has answers, even though he doesn't really, but you know, I feel like the audience felt Locke had answers. And I believe that's, you know, Boone even sort of says that that's why he goes with Locke because Locke is the only one who has any idea what's going on around here. And, you know, I think that's why Walt is sort of drawn to him as well because Locke sort of presents himself as I have a grasp on what's going on, not just I'm trying to get us to survive here. But it's interesting that this guy who seemingly, by all accounts, by, you know, everyone around him and, again, some of the audience watching, uh, knows what's going on, 
he comments with regards to Kate that some people, Kate, are unreadable. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, from my side, I think this this was the first and maybe the only, although maybe there are a few others, that I really, I'm gutted didn't actually make it in. I, I really like this scene. And I really like what you mentioned there, Paul, but actually I didn't see it from that perspective. The reason I really like it is just, I think it, it's, you know, it adds a lot of detail to the show early on, highlighting, you know, every character was hiding something or lying about their past or lying about the sort of person they are, different from their past. You know, everybody came to the island and became a new person. They started afresh. They all, they were all leaving something behind that they were ashamed of and that, you know, they were trying to put, yeah, put a new a new personality to themselves on the island. And I really liked that. And I think it showed it in great detail as it looked through every member of the, of the, of the survivors. Before we continue, just got to do one of these here. There we go. Uh, Is that a bit or a diet Coke? (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) Well, let me just say this. I don't drink diet anything unless you're calling me fat, Andy, in which case I may have to switch over. No, sorry. It's just like I've I've got an addiction to diet Coke and an addiction to beer. There's basically, you know, I drink, I drink four things, water, coffee, beer, and diet Coke. It's kind of like what I live on. Gotcha. Um, so the ne- now because I apparently got it mixed up, the next one I have is a deleted scene from House of the Rising Sun with Boone and Shannon. Is that right, Andy? So yes, and this one was named Partners. Okay. So as I said, deleted scene from House of the Rising Sun. Boone and Shannon are discussing the events of Jin attacking Michael. Uh, Boone mentions how he heard Jin tried attacking Walt, how Jin is homicidal, and he's partly shocked that Sun is staying with him. He mentions how it must be cultural, but Shannon mentions how Sun stays for the same reason that Shannon herself stays with Boone, because she has to. We then see a shot from the actual episode, Sun attending to Jin's handcuffed wrist. Now, I, I do want to ask Liam, because I believe one of the, if not the first episode that you were on, was, it had to, was, am I mistaken in the fact that it had to do something with Shannon and or Boone? Is that correct? Yeah, my first episode that I was on was season two, uh, Abandoned. Okay. That was my first episode. So I kind of wanted to ask you here, I mean, because again, we didn't, you were on season two, so you didn't really get to comment on on season one a whole hell of a lot. So I'm just curious here, and with that being your first episode, I, I honestly don't remember if we chose that one for any particular reason or if it was just sort of, hey, this is the next one I'm doing or what have you. But what do you think? Because I know there are some people who feel like, like there, I, I, I feel within the fandom, there's people who like Boone or tolerate Boone, I should say, and almost completely dislike Shannon. But I feel like almost any time I go, and this is just me personally, anytime I go back and watch it, I do find myself wanting to know a bit more about those two characters. Maybe it's just because 
we lost those characters so early. Maybe that's what it is, and that's constantly in the back of my mind. Excuse me. But with this, and again, it's something super, super brief, but it's just this minor interaction with them. I'm curious your thoughts about the potential of those two getting screen time, or do you feel this is something, again, that was just easily sort of forgettable? Yeah, I mean, I do... This was an extended scene. Was there, in the proper episode, was there a little bit of Boone and Shannon talking? I I think it just cuts to Jin and Son, if I'm not mistaken. Well, anyway, uh, you know, yeah, I I mean, I like Boone, and I don't mind Shannon for the most part. Uh, I mean, you know, even if you don't like a character on Lost, it's not like, it's not because they're badly written or something. It's maybe they're just not likable. I feel like a lot of people in real life, if they actually met Shannon, they probably might not like her too much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of, I, I always thought it was interesting. Uh, if we had maybe gotten more, more story with uh, these characters, especially Boone, I feel like Boone really started turning around a little bit, becoming much of a better of a character, almost like two episodes before he dies. But, yeah. Yeah, this, just just to add on that, I think that, well, or to give my take on this scene, um, nothing new here. You know, Shannon is unbearable. Jin is a nasty husband, and Son is you know, horribly controlled and passive, you know, I'm glad to see the character development for the latter two throughout the seasons, but um, yeah, and I think to answer your earlier question, I would you really have liked to see more backstory of Shannon? I think we got quite a lot, you know, we got her from like going to university, trying to do you know, ballet teacher or whatever, I don't know, I feel like we've, we've there, there wasn't anything more to her, to be honest, mate. I think she is just a one-dimensional, boring sort of, yeah, now, warm, good-looking woman. With, with sure Boone and think. Shannon's, with Boone and Shannon's scenes in season one, do you think there was any effort by the uh, by the writers to make you feel like, oh, there's something off with these two? What's what's going on here? Do, do you think that was a thought they had? I uh, think. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it was quite, you know, it was obvious the whole time, you know, before we even saw, um, I can't remember the name of the episode where we get their flashbacks, but you kind of know that they, you know, Boone loves her, you know, actually for a long time when I watched this season one, I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, the first time I watched it when I was a kid, it took me a while until I realized they were supposed to be brother and sister. Um, you know, I think maybe from the writer's side, they thought if Boone, Boone loving his stepsister probably made them complex enough characters, whereas in reality, it just didn't. I, I never got until they this. And again, it's just me. I never got the impression until they showed us that there was supposed to be something more than just, you know stepbrother stepsister sort of thing um and i i 
and maybe it maybe it was so so like Liam said how Boone started to become you know more tolerable right towards the end honestly I actually kind of liked Shannon a little bit more towards the end of her arc as well like the you know with her and Saeed I like that they were sort of building that relationship um I liked and act and realistically to play in with the end they could have or should have done that more to sort of justify the end that's a whole other conversation though um I liked the the fact that you know she was one of the only ones who was able to you know see this weird version of Walt you know so like what was you know was there was there something more to that or you know what I mean I feel like towards the end of her arc there could have been more I don't know what they could have done in flashbacks per se you know but just with her character on the island and some of the development that she went through especially after you know the death of her brother you know the one of the only constants in her life you know what i mean like the one person who looked out for her and realistically now she was gonna have to look out for herself you know like all of those i do feel that her character started to be a little better towards the end of her arc. I will say that personally. Yeah, maybe we don't need to get into this now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you went back and edited all the conversations, Paul, that we had with, well, we had about Sharon, we could make an entire podcast, maybe two. <laughs> the one thing I do, though, like... Uh, if anybody's listening to this and has been watching the and watched the uh, the, the deleted scenes on on the DVD, um, there's one of the I think the the episode their episode uh, there's a good interview from that and I, I do like you know, I think Maggie Grace she she went in for the kiss with um, Ian Somerhalder and she had loads of garlic in her mouth and pulled a proper prank on him and just launched the garlic from her mouth into his mouth. So I've got nothing against the, the actors uh, of the two of them. They're obviously funny people. Um, but yeah, the characters themselves don't do much for me. And like I said, I, I like Boone, but at the same time, I only like him because he's nice. He's still a bit, he's still got nothing to him. I, I just, and again, this is just me. I just feel like once Boone became for lack of a better word, sort of a disciple of Locke. Don't get me wrong. I feel that his his death necessitated the further pushing of Locke versus Jack, which of course played all the way to the very end. I liked that that, you know, kind of pushed that forward and that was needed. And, you know, like I said with... with uh, but I, I do like the fact that he he, to me, started to become a little more three-dimensional once they moved. I honestly, I know it's going to sound weird, but once they moved Shannon and Boone away from each other, I felt that they started to become a little more rounded as characters. You know, once Boone went with Locke and Shannon had again, the storyline with Saeed and you know, the thing with, with Walt and Vincent and whatnot, I felt that the two became more, you know, three-dimensional. Not, not, I'm not saying they're on the level of 
you know, Locke or Saeed or even Jack, who we know I'm not a big fan of. Fantastic, you know, character arc and all of that stuff. I've said many times he's clearly the star of the show and, and whatever. Great character arc. I'm not saying that they are on those levels, the Boone and Shannon characters, but I felt that they did get a little more rounded once they kind of separated from each other. We can agree to disagree, Paul. <laughs> hey there, folks. Just taking another break to remind you to check out our social media pages. We're trying to grow those, and we're wondering what you want to see more from us. Uh, you can let us know your feedback on our shows. You can let us know uh, feedback on just about anything, really, over on our social medias. You can make requests for various guests that you want to maybe return to certain shows, or you can give us topics. Um, you can check out all of that, and you can even find pretty much across the various platforms the people that have been on uh, our shows, because we follow them and are followed by them pretty much everywhere. Uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we are Clock Shelves. Of course, that's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. We are trying to grow our social media presence, as I said. So um, in addition to us trying to post as often as we uh, post new content for you, uh, we're also trying to make everyone else aware of our social media. So make sure you go give us a follow, maybe even uh, share us sometimes, you know, when we post new stuff. It's at Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, the next scene... Now, I'm having a bit of an issue with this. Again, I watched from the video that I sent to you, Andy. If I'm not mistaken, it's a deleted scene from The Moth. Is that correct? Charlie outside. Ah, uh, is that is that yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't sure when it was from. It's called Where Did You Go? Yes. Yeah. Now I did a quick as I tend to do, I did a quick look on Lostpedia as well. The transcript section for Lostpedia had way more here than what was featured there and everything else I could find on like elsewhere on the internet of like clips. Yeah. Just before we start, this wasn't really a deleted scene. This was just a this was a joke scene, right? This was a joke. In the very last thing, I, I will, you know, spoiler alert, the very last thing I have in my notes is I was not a fan of this, this particular scene. Yeah, I feel like it wasn't a deleted scene. I feel like it was like a joke. They just shot it as a joke, like something they would play on like Jimmy Kimmel, but it was just a really shit one because it wasn't funny enough. Well, now again, the, the Lostpedia part has more going on in it than uh than the scene that we watched so okay so this is is this is if i'm correct this is where did you go right correct okay i opened up my lostpedia tab <laughs> so i have in my notes charlie is outside of the cave and has a conversation with jack He's clearly gotten high as he's picturing Jack as his brother. He claims he went to get help for Jack, but Jack is acting like Liam, not our guest, Charlie's brother. 
uh, including calling Charlie Choir Boy. I was not a fan of this. Now, if you guys will indulge me for a moment, I'm going to read you exactly what Lostpedia has. Deleted scene from The Moth. Charlie stumbles along a jungle path, dazed. Now, because me, like, personally, I wonder if somebody took this from, like, an early draft of the script, maybe? Because, obviously, the, a lot of those early season one scripts are out there. So, I wonder if somebody just sort of uploaded this to Lostpedia off of a script. Or, again, maybe it is on the DVD, and I just, we didn't see the full clip or what have you. But, um, it says, Charlie stumbles along a jungle path, dazed leaving us to assume he's had a fix. The camera floats with him, dreamily emulating his high, or so it'd seem, but something is weird here. Something is definitely off. And then Charlie just stops, because up ahead is a man sitting on a rock, just sitting there wearing a black t-shirt, his back to Charlie. Charlie, hello? As Charlie inches forward, the guy suddenly turns around and holy fucking shit, it's Charlie continued. J Jack? Jack, where'd you go? Or I'm sorry. Yeah, where'd you go, Charlie? Charlie, what? Nowhere. I mean, I went for help for you, but I was, I, I got lost. Notices Jack's shirt. What are you wearing? As Jack looks down, we tilt down to see he's wearing Liam's Music Slut t-shirt with both of the S's being dollar signs. Uh, Jack, you've seen me in this before, choir boy. Now in the clip, that's where it cuts off. Continuing on, Jack stands intense. You were supposed to look out for me, Charlie, but you left me to die in a hole. Scared and confused, Charlie backs away. Charlie, how'd you get out of the cave, Jack? And now Jack is coming towards him, eyes burning. Jack, don't you get it, rock god? I'm still there! Singing a cappella, you all everybody! You all everybody! As he's almost on top of Charlie, a bird cacaws. Rattle Charlie, he jolts as if waking from a dream. And when he looks back, Jack is gone. As Charlie moves off, unnerved. Oh, I see. So it was a dream. That makes more sense now. Because I was going to ask, like, I couldn't tell what, on his, what was on his T-shirt. Was it a drive shaft T-shirt or something? Um, but okay, I see. That's why I thought maybe it was like a joke. Because, um, yeah, it did. It cut out before he even got off the log, didn't it? So, um, yeah. The first time we see uh, we see Jack today as well, I think, isn't it? I think so. What it, so I like again overall I was not a fan of that scene like the brief clip and then again even reading that from from Lostpedia I could have just completely done without any of that yeah I mean it was a dream wasn't it so or, or a daydream whatever you want to call it so I mean did we get the impression during the moth that that Charlie felt guilty for leaving Jack. You know, I'm not sure we did. I mean, he didn't really leave him. He could he was the only one that could fit through the hole. Jack had a broken arm. He went and got help straight away, didn't he? So yeah, I, I don't see the need for it. 
I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, it's not not really all that like important or significant or anything. But I guess you know he's just he's in a bad state. He's hallucinating. It's whatever. My thoughts too. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, up next again, since I now have it open, should be the huddle. Is that right, Andy? Yes, the huddle. All right, so the huddle, which is a deleted scene from Homecoming. Jack, Locke, and Saeed are talking. Kate and Sawyer are looking on, with Sawyer claiming that it's better than C-SPAN. He sarcastically comments how he feels safe knowing the Brain Trust is deciding their collective fates. Kate claims she believes it's just a discussion about Claire coming back. And Sawyer and Kate trade nicknames of Sugar Pop and Tex. Sawyer thinks they're being too secretive, and they each try to get the other to go to find out more about the situation, and Kate comments how C-SPAN bores her. I like the trading of the nicknames. Everything else was deletable. I mean, this is a deleted scene, obviously, and I completely get it. Yeah. Yeah, some classic skater flirting, but it was it was nothing. Yeah, we had enough of that already in season one, didn't we? The next scene I have is Claire's doctor visit, which is a deleted scene from Outlaws. Jack is giving Claire a checkup in the caves. And I'm assuming if I was wrong about this, Andy would have interrupted me. So I'm just going to continue. Jack is giving Claire a checkup in the caves. They both comment how it's like an infirmary. Claire mentions how a friend of hers back home is into holistic medicine and believes hospitals are evil and such, but would love what Jack has done. Jack laughs before asking her some standard questions about if she's been experiencing any nausea, headaches, things like that. She comments how the baby is moving a lot, and Jack confirms that her heart rate is good, and overall that's a good thing. Uh, he asks about her memory, and she confirms that a little is coming back. She remembers that she knows some of the people, but only that she knows them. She does comment how everyone is avoiding her, though. She says she's the weird amnesia chick, and he introduces himself as the heroic doctor. They joke before Jack tells her that everyone just needs time as they're confused, and Claire confirms that she feels the same way. I liked this only because of the revelations that happen later with these two characters. Other than that, this is kind of just whatever for me, because this is just Jack being a doctor. We find out a teeny tiny bit about Claire and the fact that she has a friend that believes in holistic medicine. We already got, as we said before, a lot of these are just sort of things that were explained in other episodes. We already know she's having trouble with her memory or whatever. I, I like this strictly from a character point of view because of the revelation that happens later between, you know, with regards to these two characters. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, any scene where Jack isn't angry and serious is you know a positive for me because i like seeing relaxed jack um but i think the most part of this was just reminded like when you re watch lost when we all watched lost for the first time 
you know, we're all a lot younger and probably don't consider these things that much. But it's just like I just always forget how much, you know, how how much Claire's into all this like crazy like psychic and and thing things like this. Like it just reminds me of when I went to Goa in India a few years ago and I met some proper yogis and they honestly, you know, they believed all that rubbish that Claire mentioned. You know, they they pay like this witch doctor like twenty dollars a week. To, so that they could then like find out like if their fire you know if they were out of balance like their fire was off from their water or whatever or their earth and if it meant that you know they'd have to like make sure they're either like being more calm or like focusing on their spiritual bit more you know it's just like people genuinely believe this stuff and it, it mind boggles me apologies if you guys do as well then maybe, um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to transition because not saying I believe in that, but I mean, again, you and I have had many a conversation, so <laughs> just about, you know, beliefs and things. So I'm not necessarily one to, you know, poo poo anybody else's beliefs, but I actually, I, I, I agree with the beginning part of, I always forget how much Claire was into that stuff. And then that is, that is the end of my statement. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't stick my views on like that on people, <laughs> but uh, I do think they're rather, rather foolish. Um, in another deleted scene, again from Outlaws, entitled "A Deal's a Deal," Kate and Sawyer are returning from the boar hunt. Kate comments how she wants the gun she was supposed to get carte blanche. Sawyer tries arguing that it was for toiletries, then even mentions that he didn't end up killing the boar. And Sawyer mentions how Jack asked for the gun two days prior. Now Kate does this and asks for the same thing. He's wondering if that's why she did all of this. Kate responds that Sawyer wanted help, asked for help, and got help. The fact that he doesn't like their deal is not her problem. Completely forgettable scene in my opinion i know i i have the feeling that that's a, a, kind of our feelings on a lot of these scenes per se but again some of them like i said even with the last one with jack and and claire okay i like the the the, the brief moment between them had it been in there great again because of what happens later but a lot of these it does sort of make sense as to why they got deleted some of them not all of them but some of them like yeah. that scene everything else that that like everything that we gathered from that scene we got from the rest of the episode and subsequent episodes yeah i agree i mean i completely agree we you don't learn anything new from it but it's totally a scene that you could have seen staying in there you know it wasn't particularly long it was you know in in theme of everything else that was going on they were talking about you know the actual um you know core plot of the episode where a lot of these aren't they're just random conversations but i agree you know it didn't add anything but it totally could have been in there as well so i i think peacock just launched over in the uk i could be mistaken about that but on peacock here in the states that's where the American version of The Office streams exclusively now. And they have, uh, you know, you can watch the regular version, but then they have what's called the super fan version, which I believe I haven't 
watched it all the way through yet, but I believe it takes some of the like deleted scenes and things like that from your DVD releases and so on and sort of inserts them back into the episodes. For things like this, like this scene, again, and I think I kind of said this earlier, I feel like that could easily be done maybe if if they get, you know, if the, uh, I know Disney Plus in other territories, Disney Plus Star, I think, is what they call it, where they have some of their more, you know, quote unquote, adult stuff like Lost, where there's a lot of violence and so on. Not not so much Disney, you know, family entertainment branding. Obviously, here in the States, we have, you know, Hulu and so on that, you know, Disney owns that they can put stuff on. But I feel like some of these scenes like this you know, and others could easily just be kind of inserted back if they wanted to do like a super fan type episode on some streaming service. Yeah. yeah, I think something we haven't mentioned yet, which is probably quite important, is there was there's a varying degree of um, you know editing and uh, production value across these you know varying degrees across these scenes. You know, clearly some of them were you know edited the entire way up to the end you know they, they put in all the effort they would for a normal scene and then they got cut at the last minute whereas many of them may have just been shot and not got any further than there and i'm sure i don't know how you film a tv show but i'm sure there are many you know maybe like two or three major points you know in the development of an episode where where things can be cut um, and this is, yeah, you know, this is one of the ones which is probably on the DVDs and clearly one that made it to the end, you know, where the effort was perhaps, perhaps put in, um, like some of the others, because obviously some have music, some don't. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, Peacock, I had, I didn't know what it was. I saw an advert for it. I was like, you're now telling me it's another streaming service? Fucking hell. Like we don't have enough? Like what's special about this one? Or is it just getting in my way again, trying to take money out of my pocket? As someone who has almost all of them, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm still going to keep having them all. Here, just as a quick sidebar, here in the States, Peacock is NBC Universal. I don't know. But again, because everything's different from territory to territory, I don't know what yours has. Like, I know here, uh, like WWE, just within the last two years, signed a deal. So they no longer are their own streaming service everything is on Peacock now, you know, and they have like original shows, things like that. But again, here they have The Office, Parks and Recreation, so on and so forth, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because those are things produced by NBC Universal. I don't know. All of those, all of those, all of those are on, um, all of those are on Netflix for us. I right. just have Netflix, Amazon. Yeah. yeah, see, so I don't know what yours has with regards to, like, but the, the funny thing is, here, Peacock ha- right now got the rights to Harry Potter, which is Warner Brothers, which is HBO Max. Like here, even though even though HBO Max is the same company that owns Harry Potter, they don't have the rights to stream it right now. They lost that because Peacock, much like TV stations, buy you know the rights to to have you know certain movies and things in syndication. The streaming services are doing that now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a Paul and all episode. I'm going to do one of these days completely uh, off topic, but yeah. 
Did you know the Clockshelves Entertainment is going through the entirety of the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe? That is right, starting all the way back with 2008's Iron Man, going through Phase 1, going through Phase 2, the TV series, the Netflix series, uh, some of the shorts that are uh, even now available on Disney+. Plus. We are doing a super deep dive into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We are actually, as of the time of this episode, just getting ready to wrap up Phase 2. We are almost to the end of Phase 2, so uh, make sure you go check that out. You can find links to where you can listen to it on our website, clockshelves.com, uh, and of course across our social media, at Clockshelves on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The show is MCU and Me, and we would love for you to join us uh, over on MCU and Me, where we are breaking down the entirety of the different pockets of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Can't wait to have you as a listener, true believer. Um, the next one I have here is Captive, a deleted scene from In Translation. Again, this is just like two quick lines I have. Sawyer has Jin tied up, is taking it back to the camp. This is just Sawyer trash-talking Jin, using some insults, and Jin speaking Korean. This was nothing, in my opinion. That's literally what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> so, I disagree. I think, and I, I do remember this one from the DVDs, but I think it was nothing. But at the same time, there was something very, very visually pleasing and sort of artistic about this one. You know, it was... It was a great shot of them just being silhouettes, essentially, just walking along the mountain ridge. And I would have liked to see that. It wasn't very long. I don't know how they would have fitted it in because it would have been, you know, it would have been a weird cut to it and then a weird cut out. But if they'd mastered that, I think I would have liked to see that because I did think it was, it was pleasing to see. The next scene I have is also from In Translation. It's called Secrets. This is one of those ones, and, and Andy, I'm so glad you, you brought it up, the fact that the sort of at various points of production, uh, we said before about, you know, hearing the crew and, you know, music being in some and not being in others. This is one where you can obviously hear the crew talking in the background as they are at the waterfall. Uh, Kate is washing as Jack approaches her and makes a comment about soap operas in TV. Ooh, excuse me, on TV, sorry. In the hospital coffee room. Kate doesn't understand, but Jack clarifies that their drama that their drama is much better. Son speaks English and her own husband didn't know. Uh, Kate jokes that it's only a soap opera when an evil twin shows up. And they then get serious and discuss if Jin and Son will actually be okay. Jack mentions how things aren't good in a relationship when secrets start, and Kate counters that everyone, including the two of them, have secrets. Jack says, Locke? And he clarifies that they know Jin didn't burn the raft and wonders if Locke did it. He reminds Kate that Locke leaves for several hours a day, then randomly shows up, makes a speech, and everything is solved. Uh, well, everything, you know, everything is solved more questioning, I guess. Um, Kate suggests that she did it. Jack does not agree. And Kate reminds Jack of her mugshot 
but Jack still insists that it wasn't Kate. I feel like this one, uh, Andy, kind of plays off of what you were saying earlier with regards to the bluffing scene where, you know, everyone, like, just, again, sort of reminding us, this is a little later in the season, obviously, but just sort of reminding us that everyone has their secrets. And realistically, at this point, had this been left in the episode, of course, um, in theory, we've have, we've warmed up to Kate, unless you're uh, the guy, Wayne, out there somewhere listening to this. We've, war- you know, theoretically, we've warmed up to Kate, so, you know, um... We, we obviously, we like Jack and we're supposed to be, you know, questioning Locke. We, we relatively like Saeed and Hurley and, you know, so on and so forth. But all of these characters do still have their secrets. There is that thing of what did Kate do that, you know, there was the mug shot and she was tied up with the marshal and, you know, so on and so forth. And I feel like this sort of plays on what you were talking about earlier. Like I said, that it reaffirms there are secrets amongst all of these people still. Yeah. Was this, uh, did they end up using like, uh, the soap opera comparison at some other point in the show? Cause it does seem vaguely familiar. No, I can't think of any, I can't think of it offhand per like off the top of my head. I can't remember them doing that that's not to say it didn't happen but i just can't remember it off the top of my head right yeah i mean hurley likes watching was it, was it hurley's mom hurley likes watching soap operas i can't remember um but yeah i think i think i think this maybe contradicts a little bit what you what i said earlier actually paul because you're you're totally right i mean you could barely hear what they were saying you know because over the waterfall or whatever it was, you know, they definitely did not get the audio right at all here. Yet, there was a lovely bit of Giacchino at the end. I'm not sure why they added that in. <laughs> Maybe that was just for the delete to try and make it sound better, but it was, you know, it definitely felt like an earlier cut one until they put that in. Uh, but yeah, it could have been a nice Jack and Kate moment, I think. Um, but yeah, I, you could barely understand it because you, could, you, could, you couldn't really hear it. No. And I, like I said, I was, I was saying more about what you had said with the bluffing scene about everybody. Uh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the next scene I have is the Jack situation deleted scene from the greater good. Michael and Hurley are with Saeed after Boone's funeral Michael is curious what's going on, but all Saeed will say is that Jack is exhausted and weak from the transfusion he gave Boone. Michael comments how that doesn't explain why he jumped Locke. Saeed, however, mentions that the situation isn't his concern, but Hurley mentions that he's concerned because he feels Jack has lost it. Ooh, excuse me. He also mentions Jack having the gun key around his neck. And Saeed wonders what that has to do with him. He tells Hurley that if Hurley believes something needs to be done to do it. Did we skip two? Yeah, we, we did skip two. I was gonna let us I was gonna let us just talk about this one and then I was gonna mention that just for the cut. But yeah, you, you did skip two, Paul. You skipped Toasting Jack, which was our first off island one. Um 
where where um his his wife does a does a toast for him and then and there was another one called Sun Cries uh, where some was just crying. Well then, damn because <laughs> I am so sorry about that guys. Um okay, so because I don't have notes in front of me here, what was the the uh, the toasting jack? Give so us, toasting jack. Give us a pretty, quick recap. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure this was a um a a real delete to see. I think this might might have been one on the DVD, but it was just off island. It was at their either like rehearsal dinner or like the dinner after they've been married. I don't know when it was, um, but you know his best man, ginger guy, gives a bit of a speech. Then 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 Sarah gets up and gives you know a very nice speech. You know about you know. Two years ago, had you know, I was in a crash. You know, bloody bloody blah, blah. Jack saved me. He's my hero. Bloody bloody blah. blah, blah. Um, and I think the the comments I had on this was, um, did we know everything? Can can you either of you remind me? Did we know everything about the accident in season one before the season two premiere? Because I because I can't remember. I feel like maybe we didn't. And if we'd had this scene, a lot of those flashbacks may have been spoiled um from man of science man of faith um well that's what i was gonna say was you said that she like gives but does it we saw in in the actual episode she gives a toast yeah this is more this is really more of an extended scene uh it i think i'm pretty sure it extends it adds a bit more lines to her toast and it starts off with uh his friend mark silverman it starts off with his toast you get a little hit. You get you get some of his toast. Okay. And uh, during his toast, they start talking to each other about like how they should have pet names or or whatever. And then it cuts into that, you know, maybe a little bit longer version of that speech that she does give in the actual episode. And I think it, it also actually it starts off with Jack on the phone. I think probably calling his father to see why his father's not there, and then his his best man comes to get him like we're, we're starting or whatever. So it's just an extended version of the flash. Oh, okay. so, so that was already there in season one. Okay. I, I couldn't remember. Yes. Yeah, some of it was. Yeah. So I but, did... but Sarah, Sarah telling everything about the accident was knowledge. We knew before going into the season two premiere. I believe so. Okay. Yeah, well, I can't remember. And, uh, don't we don't do, do we get the uh hold on i, I gotta look at episodes and... well okay while you're looking that up liam i i'm again lostpedia because jake isn't here to be mr lostpedia for us so there is an article on lostpedia season one deleted scenes and it might explain why i've missed one or two so there's a because it, it gives the scene or well that it was deleted you know well, the episode it was deleted from the characters involved where it was featured the length and a summary so the first few that we were going on season you know they they're all from the season 1 DVD and Blu-ray things like that um there's one or two that it says TV got featured on the TV guide bonus disc and season 1 Blu-ray so some of them aren't actually on i guess the DVD versions and then there's even some like the two that you that we you know that you guys just said that I missed 
that are because this is from the this one that you're talking about that involves Jack and Sarah and Mark featured on the Lost Chronicles DVD. So I guess if you put in your uh, Lost Season 1, either Blu-ray or DVD actual, it's not there. I think the Lost Chronicles DVD... That was a book. The Lost Chronicles was a book. It was like a Season 1 book you got at the end of Season 1 and it had a DVD in it because, yeah, I, I had that too. Okay, so that's that's where like that scene... And yeah, that's that scene and the Sun and Jin one, Sun cries in the caves after Boone's death and Jin enters behind her and sees, which I thought was featured in the actual episode. Maybe I'm mistaken, but it says that that was also featured on the Lost Chronicles DVD. Yeah, so if, I mean, we can just move on to this one if we want. The Sun cries, I think um, it was a very touching scene uh, obviously it had life and death playing the whole time and you know we can all listen to that all day but you know it, w- it was no more than 10 seconds i think it may have been like seven or eight seconds long um so it must have been a- an extended or a cut after something before um because yeah it was super super short but it, but it was like super close up of of sun crying with her hands uh, head in her hands and then like sort of uh, an unfocused gin behind her i also want to i also want to mention i don't know if this was talked about during you know the podcast proper when you talked about this episode but jack's friend mark silverman played by zach ward who will be well known for playing uh the bully scut farkas in the uh, christmas story movie I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but Christmas story, the you'll shoot your eye out movie. Yep. Never seen it. So I would not have known that. I've never even heard of it. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. I'm at least better than that. All right. I'll get, <laughs> what is it? What, you never saw the, it's the, the movie where, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. The kid gets the BB gun and he's, he has like the bunny costume. Never heard of it. Well, you're saying he's the kid. He's the bully of the kid. Anyone who knows, hopefully someone listening to this. The tongue, right? The tongue thing. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, that that movie, but he's not the, that's not him. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, never literally... mind. Someone, <laughs> someone listening will hopefully know what I'm talking about and enjoy Stop that little bit of information story bully and yeah it is him thank the, god he is an ugly kid and he is an ugly adult as well isn't it poor the, guy as of the day that we're recording this yesterday at my job i mentioned that i'd never seen the movie and a friend uh, the one girl that i work with uh also mentioned that she'd never seen the movie and everybody looked at us like we were crazy because at least here in the states it's like it's on one of the chant like 24 hours Christmas day it's on. So people are like, how have you never, it's like a staple of, of Americana Christmas basically. And they're like, how have you never seen it? And I said, you know, the, the, you'll shoot your eye out. Kid gets a BB gun, bunny suit kicks, you know, gets kicked down the, the slide. I know enough pop culture references to it 
that I don't need to see it. That's that's what I that's what I said. Yeah, it must be a very American thing. I've never heard of it. Maybe we've got our own Christmas films. You know, we just play Love Actually all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Um. Hi, friends. This is Ruth from Just Plain Crazy Face Art of Northeast Pennsylvania. We are now accepting bookings for birthday parties, spring and Easter events, as well as summer festivals. We offer face painting, glitter tattoos, as well as henna body art. We also offer the option of adding games or crafts to your party as well. Please check out our party services page on our website, JustPlainCrazyFaceArt.com. Our face painting is done with water-based cosmetic products that are easily removed with soap and water. Let us use our 18 plus years in business to help you add color and fun to your event. We also have a large network of talented face art friends around the world. So even if we're not local to you, we probably know artists who are. Feel free to contact us to put you in touch with artists in your area. So I don't remember where we were. Oh, so I had actually read the wait, Liam, you were looking something up about that, about that scene when you wait before you commented about um, the kid that, you know, being the bully from the thing. What were you looking up? Well, I was just I was just double checking to see what because this is this obviously isn't Jack's first flashback. I was just double checking to see what the flashbacks were about previously. But, yeah, th- this is the first this is the first mention of the fact that she gets in an accident and. You know, that's how they meet. But I think, Andy, to sort of go along with what you were saying, I think the fact that, you know, he said to her and he believed that she would never walk again. And then the quote unquote miracle that, you know, he he was able to fix or whatever. I don't think that added detail of it comes up until season two. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to watch it back because I'll, I'll look like a, well, I'll sound like a right idiot if in fact that whole thing was there, but it felt like, you know, the entire man of science, man of faith, um, you know, from the first flashback to the last flashback of that episode was basically just said in that speech. Um, but maybe it was, um, well, to be but fair, you were on episode Man of Science, Man of Faith, so... Uh... Oh, no, well, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, I, I remember <laughs> that episode very well. I've seen it hundreds of times. Uh, but in terms of, like, whichever flashback episode this was supposed to be from mid-season one, I, I can't remember. It's do no harm. I have it in front of do- me. That's the only reason I know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I be- like I said, I believe in that episode when we see her, you know, she says, you know, you fixed me and, and whatever... I don't think it was to the extent of, you know, the miracle aspect of it and how certain he was that it wouldn't happen and, you know, the emotional thing that we actually get to see in the season two uh, episode. Right. Cool. Anyway, this is going to be a very long... You know, you have to remember the description you gave because you gave the whole description of the Jack situation, which we then corrected you on and uh, we haven't actually covered that scene. Do you want me to read it again? Um, I'm fine. It depends how you want to cut this. Depends if you want to. 
I'll probably just let most of that play out. Yeah, then then um don't hide your mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I've got the notes my got my notes in front of me, so I'm fine. Well, again, I mean, really, just as a quick reminder for anybody who's listening through, uh, it was just Michael and Hurley questioning Saeed about Jack and the fact that he, you know, attacked uh, Locke post Boone's funeral. Um, I, uh, I like that Hurley sort of steps up here. And not so much in terms of like a leadership thing or whatever, but Hurley, this is, you know, again, as we've talked about with, with a lot of these character moment here, this is, this sort of shows Hurley is the one that cares about everybody because, you know, I think, uh, Michael is more like, Hey, what's going on with Jack? He attacked Locke. I hate Locke. I want to know more. And Michael always felt like he was left out of a lot of the A-team related things and whatever. Whereas I got from this, Hurley was more like, hey, is Jack okay? You know what I mean? Because that was sort of one of the things that, that a lot of people felt made Hurley qualified to be a leader and on that A-team was not so much that he was a leader in the sense of here, everyone follow me, but more, Hey, is everyone okay? Let's, you know, let's make sure that we take care of everybody. And, you know, and I feel like that kind of came through here. Yeah. I think that's fair. What I took from it whilst, whilst I think, I think that that is true. What I took from it again, what was around the leader aspect. And that was, you know, I liked it when, when Saeed said, why are you coming to me? It's like, you know, I think it was if they'd left that in, it would have been a nice sort of trying to, you know, make obvious that, you know, when Jack's down, you know, Saeed probably is at this point in the show. He's number two, isn't he? It's like saying if Jack's not there, if Jack were to die, you know, Saeed would probably naturally fit that leader slot um, at that point in, in the show. And whilst I never really I haven't really thought about it that much before, um, but because he never really got that opportunity for more than like half an episode, but I probably would have said he was he was number two at that point. Would would you agree or disagree? I know Locke was there, but I still feel like lots of people didn't, you know, didn't follow Locke that that much. Other than Kate, because but to me Kate is sort of like like Jack is one, Kate is one A, but discounting Kate. Yeah, I would say probably uh, Saeed is number two. So you think Kate would have, if Jack were to have died, you know, oh, I don't know how, you think Kate would then become the leader that everybody would look to? I No, I don't think that everyone would, would have looked to her. I think some would have, and I think she would have tried to fight to be leader because she would have used, you know... Well, Jack did this and Jack would have whatever. And then it would have been Saeed and Locke and Sawyer all at separate points saying, well, Jack isn't here. And this is what I think we should do, or this is what we're going to do or whatever, because I I do think Saeed would have been next in line. But realistically, because, while yeah. Jack is there, I think Kate is his number two. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah, he might be his number two, but that's like saying you've got your 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 vice president, right? They're not the person who's going to come in. It's the, it's the person, you know, it's the person trying to be president, not the vice president. I because th- in my eyes, I actually think whilst it's a deleted scene, I actually think this that comment, you know, from you know the, the two of them coming to ask Said for advice and Said saying, "Why are you asking me?" as if like. Um, I think that's the writers telling us that the the other survivors see Saeed as somebody to look look to in times of I don't want to say need or crisis, but in these scenarios where they need somebody to step up, I'm going to go ask Saeed. I I agree, and we know that that sort of plays in later because Hurley does that with Sawyer, right? When everybody's gone, he's like, you know, Saeed is off to... What's that? Well, a lot lot later. Well, yeah, but I mean still, but like that's that's it. I also want to clarify, if something happens to the president, it is the vice president that takes over, just for the record. Oh, I suppose. Yeah, (laughs) I suppose you're right. But that's... Yeah, but it's not necessarily who naturally everybody would look to. You know, I think if that happened, the general public would almost not be happy. And I feel like in those times, you know, when even like when if prime ministers step down, you do see the people that come in, they usually have to call an election relatively quickly because, you know, that they, they haven't been voted in and they do feel a little bit like uh, they, that perhaps they don't deserve it or they, you know, they... That, this, they're not who the public voted for, ever, so they kind of need to they need to go through that whole saga. Well, that's really yeah. I'm not it. saying that doesn't happen because in you know we've had yeah. that with vice presidents, but they still at least finish out the term and then the election. Anyway, that's a completely it different works. Thing. A bit, it works a bit differently because you, because yours happen every four years, whereas for us they don't. They happen. They have to happen once every five years, but they can actually happen at any point in that time they could happen every single year if we wanted to the party who is in power has five years i think to choose when they want the next election to be so it could be one year two year three year four year or five years later gotcha um but what i was what i and like i said i agree with 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 what you're saying i and, and i don't think that everyone would have i think a lot of people that were for lack of a better word loyal to jack would sort of turn to Kate, even almost in an advisory role, you know, what do you think about this? Even if, like, let's just say Jack, you know, died and everybody, you know, almost everybody agrees, okay, Saeed is in charge now. I still think there would have been people like Sun, Claire, you know, whatever, people that weren't necessarily close with Saeed that would go to Kate and go, Hey, we don't like that. He's doing this. Maybe you can talk to him and you know what I mean? Whatever. And then Kate would have used the Jack card of, well, I think Jack would have done blah, 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 blah. There would have been the power struggle theoretically between Locke and Sawyer and Saeed. But I still think Kate would have for a little bit, at least had a voice with the people just because she was so close to Jack. Well, also realize that in this scene in particular, they're talking about Jack. So like they might view Kate might not be the best, you know, if, if they have doubts about Jack, they, they might not think Kate would be the best person 
to talk about that because, you know, Kate might be biased towards Jack. Like, if they wanted to stage a coup on the island and get rid of Jack, they wouldn't go to Kate for help. They would, you know, go to potentially somebody like Saeed or a Sawyer or a Locke, you know, a more unbiased third party, so to speak. Yes, very much that. I think this scene in particular, they're talking about, it's very much because they're talking about Jack. Um, all right, so next up we have, I believe all the rest of these are from parts one and two of Exodus. Yes. Uh, the next one I have is Whispers. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Danielle is eating out of an eggshell as Charlie and Claire look on. Charlie comments how Danielle is out of her mind. He reminds us that she tried to blow his head off all because she heard whispers. Claire, however, comments that when Ethan took her and she got away, uh, she knew they'd be back. Charlie asks if that's why she hasn't named the baby yet. I have nothing now they must to have, say. <laughs> they must have just deleted this because they, they did it elsewhere. Because I know for a fact that Charlie has the conversation. Is that why you haven't named him yet? Like they, she, He has that line or conversation at another point in these two episodes, right? Yeah, because then, because then when she says, go get him back, get Aaron back, and they kind of hold on that for a moment, like, like camera-wise, and there's no, like, other than, you know, maybe, like, the waves crashing, like, there we don't hear anything, yeah. or just, I, like, a beat. I think it's, yeah, it's definitely mentioned, like, that she can't keep naming the baby, isn't it, because obviously he keeps calling it, keeps calling him, like, turnip head. And they keep having, you know, conversations around, like, why haven't he named him yet? Um, so, yeah, th this is definitely, like, it's not the only time they mention that. The only comment I had was, this, this was the scene where Rousseau, it opens with Rousseau drinking a raw egg, isn't it? I was like, oh, that looks rancid. Mm. Yeah. And obviously, we probably should mention, Paul, um, because obviously you haven't done lots with friends in in a year that unfortunately you know M Mira Furlan if that's how you pronounce her name you know passed away earlier this year uh, if you were aware yes uh, actually all I could remember I don't know how much of it because again it's been well over a year and and I'm, much like uh, the show Lost itself the uh, finale of lost with friends. There were, there was some things that were cut for time. Um, someone, I'm not going to name names, but someone, I don't think it was on the recording that either of you were a part of. Oh, excuse me. Someone commented that they met her in real life and she was very cordial, cordial enough. I'll say that. Um, but I guess there were there were times allegedly I wasn't there I can't say for sure but there were times allegedly that she wasn't 
so high on the fact that she was on Lost. And it's a real shame because I know she was, you know, known for, I believe it was Babylon 5 and, you know, many other things. But um, I think that, that this definitely isn't a bad thing to have had on your uh, your resume or your CV. And, you know, I'm just, uh, I just Googled because I wanted to find out when she died. And she died on the 20th of January this year, uh, two days before my birthday. Uh, for anybody wanting to send me some messages on uh on social media i appreciate it thank you very much in advance um yeah but it does say on a wikipedia uh in that you know that first sentence or so you know it does say as daniel russo in lost so she clearly wasn't as big an actress as she thought she was <laughs> if she was a, if she thought she should be known for other roles over this one um and i i mean I never saw her in, in a whole hell of a lot other than this, you know, maybe just like, a, oh, yeah, you know, oh, hey, that's her. And, you know, I I know, Andy, you're not on Facebook really anymore, but I know it's something that I've talked about. Jake has talked about. I think Kevin even said and a few others have said, you know, some of the, the lost groups on Facebook, you get tired of seeing Oh my gosh, did you guys know that Terry O'Quinn was in episodes of Star Trek? Oh my gosh, I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy and look who showed up. And it's like every like secondary person from Lost. I know. Most everyone in those groups know. We all watch a lot of the same things. And somebody probably posted it three days before you. That being said... I never saw a lot of people sharing a lot that she had been in. That's not to say she wasn't in a lot, but, um, you know, so then, like I said, I've never seen her in a whole hell of a lot. I liked her in the role of Danielle Russo. I thought, uh, there, they may not have ended the character in the right way. And we know that that was during the, you know, writer strike season and so on and so forth. We kind of talked about that a lot in the, in the show proper, but, um, you know, there, there may have been more that they could have done. They obviously brought her back in the, in the final season, but you know, um, just like when somebody in, you know, in real life passes away, uh, you know, she, the character was, was missed and the actress is, is missed and it's, it's a shame and, you know, condolences go out to, uh, any you know friends and family of her of course 100 percent. and you know she she had a i'm not going to say a, a like a, a, a really deep and good character but she had a very interesting and sort of fascinating part in the show um so no i, I appreciate the role she played um and i think just commenting one thing on what you said earlier paul yeah you're right i'm not in those facebook groups but I know exactly why they do that because I love that feeling when you're watching a TV show and you've got no idea somebody from Lost is about to be in it and then somebody from Lost turns up and I turn over to Kara and say, oh my God, oh my God, it's so-and-so from Lost and she just doesn't give a shit. So like throwing it onto social media, you know, I could totally see if I was still on Facebook that is something I would be doing to get my excitement out. And that's fine. I do it. I'll send it to, you know, and I mean, I have, I've, I've messaged, you know, again, Jake or Kevin or so, you know, you, Liam, whoever, Hey, I'm just watching this. I, you know, so you, you know, did you know that such and such, or I'm rewatching this and I forgot whatever, but 
the amount of times over the last several years that I've seen probably the same four screenshots of Terry O'Quinn in Star Trek. And then they'll comment. And that's so funny because he says the thing about Star Trek and red shirts again, go back in the group over the last six months and three other people probably commented on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that pisses me off about it. <laughs> Sorry, but that yeah, just... <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You already know with Clock Shelves Entertainment, you get great times, global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics, and many entertaining scenarios. We talk the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk failed pilots and prep for new shows. And we talk some shows that are, you know, we're looking at in retrospect. We talk with friends from all various walks of life. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's sports entertainment. And sometimes it's just pure entertainment. We are all over the country and all over the globe. We're friends. We're family. We are Clock Shelves Entertainment. Um... Another scene featuring Claire and Danielle. What's it called again? Remind me. How do I know you? Yeah. It's cool. Uh, Claire is talking to Rousseau while uh, they're getting ready to go to the Black Rock. And it's relatively quick. And it's just like, you know, obviously. And it, it came up, you know, more sort of towards the beginning to middle of season two. And, you know, we see the, the flashback on it, but we at least see the early, you know, the early bits of it here of uh, Claire knowing that she knows, you know, Russo somehow. And that sort of plays into the, the scene earlier, the deleted scene that we discussed earlier, where she says like, I know that I know people, but I don't know how I know them or who exactly they are. Was there anything about either of those two scenes that uh, we wanted to say further? I think just on the last one was, I don't, can you, one of you remind me why Danielle was just completely lying? Like, remind me, was she trying to pretend she wasn't there for another reason? Like, Mm. She's crazy. Yeah, she's because I, I just didn't see why she would just be like, no, wasn't that, wasn't me. I well, nothing she, to do with it. Even in even in the episode in season two, she, you know, because she, well, she says later on in, I believe it's in Exodus, like, oh, I got attacked by a bush, you know, or like I, you know, I had a run in with a bush or whatever, because you know the scratches on her arm and whatnot, and then because Claire, because in the season two episode when that when um. What's her name? Basically, you know, for lack of a better word, hypnotizes her. Obviously, that's not what it is. But, um, you know, she's Claire is like, you were taking me back to them. And Danielle is like, no. And then they go to the to the thing, to the the station, the medical station. And Danielle is upset because she didn't find what she was looking for either. You know, and I, I, I would have to guess that maybe it's because she 
didn't want to either draw too much attention to herself or let them know because she realistically, she didn't trust the survivors too much either. She really only trusted Saeed to a certain extent, but she didn't really trust the survivors too much either. And she was so used to being alone that why would she tell them her business? They all tell each other their business and they talk about each other behind their backs. She's a loner. Why should she tell them her business of why she cares and why she was there to help Claire and so on and so forth. Not sure if you know, Andy, but you are muted. I don't know if you had anything to say about what I said. No, I didn't have anything to say. I, uh, I, I, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I agree. One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, and sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various Clock Shelves Entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Paul and All. Um, it is where I sit down uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and All, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you could find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. Uh, the last two scenes that I have are uh, basically airport scenes. Uh, Saeed and Claire. Um, on the island, Sawyer is tying a uh, the radar to the raft. And Saeed asks where he got a necktie. Sawyer mentions that it was just in a pile. In a flashback, Saeed is at the airport where a woman and he are looking at ties. Uh, she's showing him yellow and blue ties before asking the occasion. Goodness, is that familiar? Um, he tells her that he's going to meet a woman, but when asked, admits that he doesn't know her favorite color. He admits that it's been a bit since he's seen her, so he isn't sure of her fashion choices. The woman reminds him that she won't care about the tie, so Saeed has her pick and the woman chooses the yellow. At the register, he tells the saleswoman that Nadia is the name of the woman that he's going to meet. Two officers enter and ask Saeed if he left a bag unattended, and Saeed claims that he asked someone to watch it, but they insist that he needs to come with them, and Saeed sarcastically remarks, Of course I do. Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, this, I think it shows how far we've come in 20 years. Like, to be honest, I think this was 
you clearly there's a lot of racial connotations here but sorry i'm just trying to find my notes because I, I changed the, the page um yeah you know, i do think we've come far i think you know this would be pretty unacceptable now i think you'd find you'd probably find the off the officers and shannon would probably get in trouble for for being essentially racist here um well, I, don't know I mean, you... just the fact that she's, you know, where she's just like, oh, yeah, some Arab guy left it. And he's like, can you describe him? She's like, I don't know, Arab, like as if that's enough, you know. And I know that and I know that like they were still trying to make that point of it being racist in 2004. But I feel like in the, the 17 years since then, that's that's a bigger deal now. And if, you know, if somebody said that. um, Yeah, I think I think you'd, you'd, you'd get looks, you could you could certain people would kind of, you know, call you out and perhaps take you to the police for saying something like that. Rightly or wrongly. I mean, I also... He is Arab, like, and don't get me wrong, and obviously, the, like, terrorists do, 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 do come from that region and look like that, but I still think it's, uh, it's a bit over the top. I really also think they probably would have acted like that no matter what Saeed, you know, looked like. Because you're not supposed to leave your bag unattended. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm someone who just spent several, you know, time, that's not right, in an airport recently. And, you know, they have announcements like every five minutes, you know, don't leave your bag unattended. He should have he should have known better than, than to leave his bag with a stranger. I do kind of feel like this would have happened to anybody leaving a bag unattended. It's more on. It's more uh, on Shannon. Left your bag unattended, but if a white person had asked Shannon, "Could you look after my bag?" Shannon would have looked after the bag. No that's problem. A, yeah, that's a Shannon thing, though. That's not a Saeed thing. I also feel like Shannon. I also feel like if it was a white person who asked Shannon, Shannon wouldn't have watched after the bag either. It's just Shannon doesn't strike me as very like responsible or caring. <laughs> But in even general, no, that. yeah, okay, I'll I'll agree with that. But even still, yeah. that's a Shannon thing. That's not a Saeed thing. Yeah. Well, it's also a Saeed thing. I mean, don't leave your bag. Don't you know? You don't know this person. She could go rooting for your bag and grab something out of it to steal. No, actually, see. I will say that when I travel, which isn't often, maybe once a year, you know, whatever. But I will say, I take. I normally have, you know, like a carry-on, maybe like a roll, like a rolly, uh, rolly carry-on bag, and like a backpack or my laptop case or what have you. And the only th- I, one, why couldn't he have taken the bag into the the store with him theoretically? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely could have. Yeah, and they expect you to, honestly. Right, and the other thing is like. The mo- I will say, though, one of the most difficult things, and this is just me personally, going to the restroom when you have bags and you're traveling alone. <laughs> am I, yeah, am I, am I alone in that in? thinking? So, so uh, to be fair, for the last, like, five or six years, I've always traveled with a backpack, like a backpack that's, like a big backpack that's the size of, carry on so obviously i can just take it on my back if i'm going for a number one obviously number twos are a little bit more difficult but you can just take it in the cubicle um but no i agree if you've got a wheelie piece of luggage it's, it's a bit awkward you don't want to take that and put it next to your rhino it's a bit dirty yeah i uh 
the last few times that I've traveled, I, you know, I'll take it and I'll kind of look around and like, I'll see sort of what everybody else is doing. And there's like a, like a small section in the restroom kind of off to the side near the sinks where one or two people will leave things, you know, and you go to the urinal or you go into the the stall or whatever. And it's kind of like agreed upon, like, listen, we're all just here doing our business. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's like a gentleman's agreement in the moment, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but did we have anything else on the, uh, Saeed in the airport? I will say, and again, just, uh, sort of referencing Lostpedia, it is interesting that the woman is referred to as Charlotte. Sure. Interesting. I mean, the only other thing I would say is now I know her name is Charlotte. Uh, she is clearly hitting on Saeed. I mean, their faces are also like, you know, a foot away from each other at, at one point. Uh, she she definitely wants a bit of Saeed. And I'm sure Saeed would happily have a bit of her. She was a lovely looking lady. She was. Agreed. Uh... I know the next scene, the very last scene, is what Liam is going to want to talk about because it features his man, Greg Grunberg. Uh, It is Claire at the airport. Um, Claire is nervous at the coffee shop. Captain Norris speaks with her and mentions the flight number and destination and mentions how he's the pilot and he'll make the ride extra smooth for her. He asks if she's flying alone before realizing he crossed a boundary. Uh, As he attempts to walk away, she answers him that she's giving the baby away in L.A. She goes on to tell him that she met a psychic. He told her that she had to raise the baby, then give it away in L.A. or bad things would happen. She starts crying and he hands her a tissue. He then tells her that his parents split up when he was young and a tarot reader told his mom that she'd marry a man with an R name that she assumed would be Roger. Uh, She dumped her boyfriend, Bernard, who became rich, but mom is still waiting for Roger. And of course, both of those names would come back later as well. He says psychics and the like aren't real and she has a choice. He excuses himself to go fly the plane because he promised a crazy lady he would make it a smooth ride, and they part ways. I think of any scene here, like if you had to pick one scene to include, I would pick this scene to include. Of course you would. <laughs> I mean, not just because, like, I mean, and the Saeed, I think my, I think my number two would be the Saeed in the airport scene as well, just because... It was kind of what they were doing in, in Exodus, giving everybody little small little vignettes of what they were doing right before the plane took off. So just, you know, not having Saeed and Claire part of that, I would have mended that, of course. But just besides, you know, you know, me being a fan of Greg Runberg, this is obviously the only other time we would have ever seen this character, the pilot. And, you know, he's. There's like a voice cameo in LAX in season six. But this was the only other time we would have seen. We would have seen this character, this actor in in the show and someone who's been in the show very little and does have a lasting impact on the show, at least among the fans. They all they all know the pilot and talk about the pilot. Such an iconic moment from that episode in season one. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that was, I was going to mention something similar. I think, uh, well, I want to understand why you like Greg so much in a second, just because uh, I feel like I'm missing some vital information there about your backstory yourself, <laughs> Liam, not just about players and Saeeds. Um, but, yeah, you know, uh, Greg Grunberg isn't in a whole lot of loss, and I'm wondering if this was filmed for presumably Exodus. He's not in Exodus at all, so did he... Did they fly him over to Hawaii, shoot this scene, pay him for it, and then cut his scene? Because I that's so. how I see yeah. it. <laughs> poor, poor Greg. Like, <laughs> you come over to your scene and then it gets cut. Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't see enough of him. You know, I, I like Greg as well, you know. Uh, I mean, the only thing I know him from is Heroes, but um, I love doing Heroes. Go ahead, Liam. He wants to know. Well, yeah. well I mean, uh, you know, I think sometimes, sometimes Paul can exaggerate. Things. Like <laughs> no, I would never say me exaggerate. No, I would never say you know Greg Grunberg's like my favorite actor or anything. He just happens to be in a lot of, you know, stuff that I also like. Really, just Lost, Heroes, and Star Wars. But I mean. I, don't can't, know. I can't believe you said I would exaggerate <laughs> things. I like I like him too. To be fair, he's a he's a, he's a good actor. He's uh, yeah, he's if, got he's got a he's got a warm a warm sort of aspect to him, doesn't he? Draws draws you in, makes you makes you want to be friends with him. If Lost I'm not... has a oh, Lost has a lot of like bit characters who will only be in like four or five episodes, who you'll see in a lot of. In, in a lot of other things, you know, th there's a lot of crossover between Lost and X Files. X Files is just loaded with, you know, fame. You know, not fame. Well, not, not not famous, but you know, like uh, little bit actors who you'll see in a bunch of other things. You know, the the Air Marshal, uh, Kimi, uh, Ben's father, Roger, just. People you see in a lot of good multiple other things, right? Isn't always yeah. good speed in like two episodes at least? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Terry O'Quinn is plays like three different people in the X Files universe. Yeah. Um, for the record, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, Greg Grunberg is obviously an actor in his own right, but he, I believe, is a childhood friend of J.J. Yeah. Abrams, and he's one of the the many things that J.J. Abrams sort of considers to be like his good luck charm. Um, you know, as we know, a lot of, and it's not just J.J. Abrams, it's a lot of, you know, directors and writers and producers and things have the people that they work with. You know, certain directors like to work with certain editors and, you know, they like to have a certain person score their movies. You know, um, Tim Burton works with Johnny Depp and Danny Elfman does a lot of the music for those movies. And you know what I mean? So um, one of the people, but that... actually, I get that. Like every director or whoever has that, you know, all of the Quentin Tarantino films, right. the same, you know, all the Scortese or whatever, yeah. you know, they, they recycle them. But um, do they actually know each other from school? I believe that they are childhood friends. Yes. That's yeah. pretty cool if they are. Yeah. I'm going to have to Google that. Um, so the, like, that, and he, cool. I believe he's put, 
Greg Grunberg in ever like even up to one of the Star Trek movies that you know because obviously J.J. Abrams did two Star Trek movies before he got the Star Wars movie and he, Greg Grunberg does a voice cameo in one of those in like in I think it's in the second one yeah, in just like a one. quick opening scene just so that he could get you know because the the scheduling didn't work out with actually getting him in to film something but he does a, a quick voice cameo just so that he could have you know Greg Grunberg in there and there were times off mic and I think even on mic with Lost with Friends and some other things that whatever whatever was said and you know what have you that that Liam commented that he likes Greg Grunberg and I'm not saying that he shouldn't he's a very good actor you know like I know Andy you said you're you know you like him as well and you, you know know him from Heroes and whatnot but I just I know that when it comes to the character of Norris you know Captain Norris partly because it is Greg Grunberg and again I know Liam is a big fan of the show Heroes and things like that so I you know I'll I will often sort of joke with Liam that and that's again why I made that comment just for clarification for anybody out there yes I'm Liam is my friend and I'm teasing him and and that's all there was to that <laughs> I can't find any proper material from my one minute Google but I have found a Reddit um, post from someone claiming they are they are friends from kindergarten so I'm gonna have to try and find some more material on that maybe an interview or something but that does sound a very nice little Easter egg of a fact uh, that I didn't know before. I mean, yeah, they're definitely like childhood friends because that that's something that you know, with, with the, obviously Force Awakens being a much bigger thing, and he was directing and he was able to get him in a role. And I feel like that's something they probably talked about, like in an interview at one point, where they're like their friends working on Star Wars together, which you know they obviously, I'm sure they liked as children too when they were hanging out yeah uh actually so just a quick google myself greg grunberg jj abrams friendship the second thing that's there is a hollywood reporter article uh star wars actor greg grunberg pours cold water on rise of skywalker director's cut march 20th 2020 the little uh like excerpt from the article it says what grunberg and abrams have the most collaborations what yeah what grunberg and abrams have that most collaborations do not is a friendship that's lasted since they were in kindergarten yeah okay awesome yeah so that is going to do it I believe for uh, the deleted scenes from season one here on this bonus episode of lost with friends. How did it feel being back in the world of lost guys? Loved it. Yeah, I could do this. Well, I'm not going to say I could do this every day, but uh, I could do it every month or every two months. Definitely Paul um indefinitely so uh yeah please yeah. keep these chats coming or at least keep the you know keep the keep the forum alive the medium alive for us to be able to you know dip in and out when we need our our lost fix because we all know it is an addiction it is a drug we all need it um and it's a healthy one at that i believe so anyway it's amongst friends 
Uh, and, you know, if you want, obviously, uh, like Andy said, with some of these deleted scenes being, you know, certain things being dated, whether it's uh, just filming styles or, you know, the the uh, the just the way that people commented certain things and whatever. Obviously, some references we make are a little dated, things like that. But any, you know, you can always go back and listen to the uh, entire uh, series proper of Lost with Friends. It is still available, um, and I hope that people can just like we all found Lost, and people are still finding Lost. Is it? selfish to say i hope people find the podcast and you know continue to uh sort of revel in that like we did um i i i went through the whole emotional thing in both the finale and you know new man in charge i'm not going to go through it again here but um i am so happy to have been able to do the show and now be able to do sort of these bonus episodes with some people that I have met from all across the world who I consider incredible friends. Actually, um, Liam was in my area, my, my town recently, and um, some people thought it was a little, some of my, you know, some people at my work thought it was a little strange that uh, he and I met through a convention in Hawaii when neither one of us had known each other prior. And I said, a lot of my friends, that's how I know them. Um, and they thought that was strange, but if it is, it's the best kind of strange because it introduced me to some of my absolute favorite people from all across the world. So thank you to everyone from lost with friends. Thank you to Andy and Liam in particular, of course, it's not a podcast hosted by me if I don't give you guys the chance to go ahead and throw out your social media handles or anything else that you want people to do to be able to find you all across the internet. Cool. So you can find me just Andy Cornforth on Instagram. That's Paul Guy alluded to. I don't have Facebook anymore, but for those uh, lost seas of you, you can find you can find me on. Uh, as Andy Cornfield on YouTube or as Acorn, you can find all my old Lost remixes uh, if you want to get a bit of a bit of Chikino fix. Uh, and yeah, you could, if you feel like it, you could follow me on Twitter uh, at Hazard Time. Wouldn't really be any point to that, but uh, you could also subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com/slash Hazard Time. Hazard Time puts out content every single day. Go check them. Go check them out. Uh, of course, I am on Twitter and Instagram at jpgrb. Secondary Instagram jpcs.pics. Uh, we are all at Clockshelves on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Clockshelves.com is the hub for everything that you want. You could have gotten this and so much more early and uninterrupted by joining the content club over at patreon.com slash clock shelves. And if you're confused on how to spell that, it's all one word, C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. Guys, thank you so much once again for making the time. I know we went a little bit later, uh, both in terms of start time and length than we originally intended. I thank you for sticking with me. Andy, I know it is 
so much later there than it is here for myself and Liam. So I will not keep you any longer. Thank you guys once again. Thank you everyone for listening. And, uh, oh yeah, I almost forgot how to end the show. Oh my goodness. That's see, I have really been out of it. Thank you. Namaste and good luck. Aloha. <laughs>